So last time we studied about peace as, as your inheritance, correct? So what we, well, there's one verse that we did not handle and that was Philippians chapter 4 verses 7 onwards. So let's read Philippians chapter 4 verses 7 onwards, 6 onwards. Be, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be known to God. Done? We know that verse. Be anxious for nothing. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We studied that this peace that passes all understanding is peace that doesn't make sense. You don't deserve it. You don't, you don't deserve it, but you, you get it. Okay. Uh, now, let's look at verse 8 onwards. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue or if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things that you have, that which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace will be with you. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Wow, do you get this? So he says, don't be anxious about anything. The peace of God will guard you. Right? Guard you means guard you from being anxious. It will guard you because now you have a basis on why you should receive blessings. You have a basis on why you should be blessed. You have a basis on why you should receive healing. But this peace will guard you. That means when the guard you against what? This peace will guard you against the evil report or your evil conscience telling you that you don't deserve these things because you didn't pay a price for it. Got it? So because this peace is received by Jesus, Jesus paid the thing, it will guard your hearts. Like for example, when the enemy comes and says, but just now you don't deserve this. So this peace will say, no, but Jesus paid for it. Correct? So it will guard you from these evil bases of trying to rob you of your inheritance. Okay? So, but he says, but he asks you one thing. He asks believers one thing. And what is this one thing? He says, finally, finally, say finally. Finally. Finally, say finally. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true. So this is what Paul is pleading. He says, I know the peace of God will guard you and keep you. You don't have to be anxious about anything. But can I please tell you what you should do? He's saying, please, brethren, please, finally, do this. Do this. What? He says, whatever things are true, whatever things are of noble, what, now let's start counting things that are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, and if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, eight, wow, eight, eight manifestations of good report, pretty much. He says, if eight different, I mean, how many times does Paul say, he clarifies in different words, he says, if anything is good, meditate on these things. Why? See, now that you have the peace of God and if you want things to manifest in your life, start having a good expectation of good. Say, great expectation of good. Great expectation of good. 
and say confident expectation of good. You need to have a confident expectation of good. Like what is good? Say, Anand, the good is um, uh, the commandments of the Lord. How to walk in it here. No, that's not what it is saying. He's saying is good report. That means now that you know that Christ peace has paid for everything, start expecting good things. So he'll say, like what? Like if you're depending on your house being paid off, start meditating on your house being paid off. Is it a, is it a good report to you? Yes. yes. Start meditating on it. Wow. So that is that positive thinking? No, it's not positive thinking. See, positive thinking does not have a just basis. Right? Nobody paid for that. But in your case, you have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. So it has a just basis. So because you have a just basis, now he says, go shopping. <laughs> That's what he's telling. If there's one way to translate this whole verse, he's, Paul is saying, Milo, go shopping. Means, but start shopping where? Where? In your mind first. Meditate on what good things you are expecting from this good God. Start meditating on it. Start expecting things. Like for example, like you are worried about your children. Instead of worrying over it, now that because the peace of God is guarding you, now you start meditating on what you want in their lives. Instead of meditating on all the evil. So finally, say finally. Go shopping. <laughs> Go shopping with this righteousness that Christ has given to you as a gift. What are you doing with this stuff? What are you wasting your time sitting on it? Start meditating on good report. Like for example, like you, you're, you're, you're always worried that your investments don't do well, correct? Like you're always meditating on all the negatives in your portfolio. For a change, start meditating on the stocks that are doing well. So I'm telling you, this is not my this is not my idea. I'm telling you this is what the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit told Paul to tell the church. He says, now that I have paid for this stuff, go shopping. Like, like if you have a million dollars in your bank account and you always wanted to buy a lot of stuff, do you just go and buy? No, you don't buy. I'm telling you. Because when I have a lot of money and I want to buy stuff, I just don't go and buy. What do I do? I think because now I have so many options, right? So I'm like not thinking. I'm I'm meditating because I have so much. So money is now not a problem for me, correct? So now I'm doing what? I'm just doing research on which I can. So normally I have a filter on Amazon. So when I look for stuff, I do price sort. From the highest to the lowest. Because I know that if I do the lowest to the highest, I get all junk. <laughs> so I do highest to the lowest. So I get the most expensive ones on the top. So now money is not a problem. Now it's a question of features. Do I get the best, de you know, because money is not a problem. See, now if money is a problem, how will it be a filter be? From the lowest to the top. <laughs> and you just pick the first one, right? There is no need to meditate. <laughs> <laughs> The Holy Spirit says, if you are poor, you don't do much meditation. You just buy what you get. <laughs> when you are rich, you meditate. Isn't that true? 
Isn't that true? You don't go around shopping and meditating on which bread to buy. When you're poor, you just buy what's available. Available. When do you meditate? Because now you, money is not a problem. The righteousness of Jesus is not an issue. The peace of God is paid for. Now you can meditate. Now you can expect. So Paul, Paul is saying, Timothy, he's writing, so he's writing to the church, but in other places he writes to Timothy. Very same words. He says, Start meditating on good stuff. Why are you sitting and watching CNN? Seriously. He's asking, why are you wasting time meditating on evil report? Because, like, why are you watching the evening news? Oh, this crime happened, that crime happened. Why are you meditating on that? Because I am going to, I promised you that I'm going to keep you safe. Correct? Why are you meditating on this? You know, and you realize, you know, sometimes you, some people would, you know, meditate on diseases. You know, I've seen the meditation on diseases. Like they will read all the research concerning that one disease. Right? And guess what happens? You find what you're looking for, right? You start expecting because now you're meditating on those diseases and those manifestations of the symptoms and those, you read more about it and more about it and more about it, more about it. It starts manifesting in your body. Correct? Because you're meditating on that report. So, I'm saying is, Paul is like, no, guys, don't meditate on evil things right now. Evil means not as in, I have to do wicked things. See, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, expect, confident expectation of good. Say, confident expectation of good. Confident expectation of good. So, so have an expectation about that. Uh, can you just check if it's streaming? Just, just to check. Okay. So confident expectation of God. So finally, my brethren, whatever things... So let me, let me read that again. Because I know that this is where the transition happens from your peace into your prosperity. Say peace, peace. into prosperity. The intermediate step is meditation. Say meditation. Now the meditation is not like the world does meditation. Correct? You are now meditating on an expectation of good things. Say expectation. Expectation, expectation produces hope. Hope does not disappoint. You got it? But if, so if, if you want to see things manifest in your life, start meditating on it. Expect it. Let hope come into your life. And hope will never disappoint. God's promise. But you say, but it has never happened in my life because you have never come to the place of hope. Because you are so afraid that you did not deserve it. Because your base is not taken care. So unless you take care of this peace problem, you cannot even start on the meditation issue. Correct? So do you have your base clear? Amen? Are you 100% sure on your basis of your peace? So if you are not, you need to meditate and listen to those words of the Lord concerning your peace. The basis on your peace. You have to. If there is fear in your life, the only way to drive out fear is not by casting it out. <laughs> you, can, you cannot cast out fear. <laughs> you cannot cast out fear. You have to renew your mind. Because fear is a symptom of an underlining wrong understanding. Always. It's always a wrong understanding. Always. So you have to get rid of that wrong understanding 
and the symptom of fear will take care of it itself. Like for example, you don't walk around thinking that this roof will fall, Manor. Are you sure this chair will not float up? Right? Why? Are you confident this chair will not float up? Why? You're, you're like so confident in gravity, correct? Correct? But, but in, a, in a different scenario, in a different environment, if you're not sure of the law of gravity, your, your body language will show that you're afraid that your flo chair will float up. You'll be kind of holding on to it, right? But now you don't because you're confident, because your understanding tells you, you don't worry, don't worry holding your chair, just relax, just enjoy life. People say, I cast this fear of chair floating out in Jesus' name. No, <laughs> there's nothing to do with that. You just get rid of the understanding. Get on, get, start studying about law of gravity. You know, understand, meditate on that. So what I'm saying is, fear is the case, fear case. The, these things that you have learned, and you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So again, he says, Paul practiced the same things. Paul walked in that peace. Jesus walked in that peace. I mean, that one thing that the disciples, they saw Jesus walk in this peace and they were like, man, they wanted that peace because he was never worried. I mean, he doesn't care that the, the ship is going down, the waves are going down, there is no bread in the wilderness, there's no water here. He doesn't know water because he was so confident that the Father loves him and will provide everything for him. He had that total peace about his life. And because of that, things always materialized. In the wilderness, bread showed up. In the sea, the winds became calm. So he was so confident because he had a basic understanding on why he cannot be judged. Jesus was confident that he cannot be judged. So when they would take big stones and get ready to stone him, Jesus was not afraid. Not because he was God. Why was he not afraid? If the last time's message will explain that. Because all, including death, the fear of death is basically at the root of it is judgments. Judgments of the law. If you are righteous, you are sinless, you are perfectly righteous, there is no cause for judgments. So even though they may have the stones and they can throw at him, he cannot be struck because he is a righteous man. Make sense? They may have the control over the weapon, but the weapon cannot do any harm because the Bible says, Psalms 91, a thousands may fall in their le left hand or right hand, but they shall come not near you. Correct? Because Psalms 91 is, does not apply to an unrighteous man. It is the psalm of a righteous man. So he was not afraid. So he walked as total peace. So like when they would come to Jesus and say, don't you know Herod is looking to kill you? Jesus would confidently say, tell that fox, I'm going to be here today, tomorrow, and on the third day, I will go. Is he not afraid of Herod and his words? No. Herod may have the soldiers, but they don't have authority to touch him because he is a righteous man. That is the position that you and I have right now. Same position. But you'll say, but Anil, stones are real. No, stones are real, but not to you. It, they don't have authority over you because death is a judgment and judgments cannot touch you because you are righteous. Do you get it? I mean, do you understand this whole concept of, so now you don't have to worry, oh, but this judgment I can handle, but for this I need security a lot. <laughs> like, 
anything, anything, because if you are confident on the basis on which you are here, your basis is the righteousness that God has given to you as a gift. You understand? Amen. So, meditation. Finally, my brother, meditate. So I want you guys to start meditating on the things that God has put the desire in your heart. Start meditating on those good things in your life. Amen? I know so you say, saying, that's something that I heard a long time back, but I stopped doing it. Start doing it. Start meditating. Put aside time to meditate. I mean, it's not like, you know, I'm going to put the stop clock and now start meditating on houses, cars. <laughs> no, I'm saying is, start having constant expectation of God is going to do good to me. Right? I'm being going to be blessed. You wake up in the morning with an expectation that, you know, Jesus, here I am. What good thing you're going to do for me today. Right? Have an expectation of good in your life. Start, start. That's why you say, take the helmet of salvation. When they say the helmet of salvation, it means, helmet means mind. Helmet of salvation means with the hope of salvation. That means you are getting ready in your mind to be delivered and saved from everything. So you wake up putting that helmet, saying that, click. That means, I am on, man. I'm expecting to be saved everywhere. Salvation in Soteria means whole, means rich, famous, glorious, powerful. That salvation, that word is all-inclusive. It doesn't mean saved from hell. You're already saved from hell. What's our, what helmet are you putting? Helmet means hope in your mind, meditating on expectation to be saved gloriously in every area of your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Okay. So, and by the way, uh, Paul said to Timothy the same thing. You want to read that? It's very beautiful. It says, Paul, I don't, uh, we'll, we'll move to the message to uh, 1 Timothy chapter, where is this? 1 Timothy, okay, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Okay. Or it should be 1 Timothy, right? 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, uh, verses, uh, verses 13 onwards. Okay, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 13 14, 15, and 16. I'm going to read this. Just uh, uh, listen to this, okay? Till I come, Paul is telling to Timothy, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to teaching or doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. He's talking about the gift of teaching that is in Timothy, which has been given to you by the prophecy, by the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Verse 15, meditate on these things, on this good teaching, what I'm sharing with you. Meditate on this. Give yourself entirely to it. That your progress may be evident to all. See, the more you meditate, your progress, everybody will start seeing. So how will the non-believers see the progress in your life? Remember we talked about how will the non-believers see the peace operating in your life? Because the effects of the peace is prosperity. You got it? When prosperity shows up in your life, you would say prosperity, brother, prosperity. No, it is true. If you're not prosperous in your health, why would anybody want to be attracted to you? Use you, your prosperous that you're always healed. You never run into issues. No health problems. You're prosperous. You're healed. You're prosperous in your resources. You're not struggling from day to day. Because 
because it's a manifestation of what's happening internally in your life based on the teaching that you're meditating on. See, the teaching that you meditate on, your progress becomes evident to unbeliever. That's so weird. You don't have to do stuff. You have to meditate on those teachings. Finally, my brother, got that? That thing. Okay, read further. Take heed to yourself and to the teaching. Again, he comes back to the teaching. Continue in them. Continue in this teaching. For in doing so, you will save both yourself. Now, let me ask you a thing. Is Timothy not saved? Yes. What saving is he talking about? So, Toria, full, full salvation means all areas of your life that, that salvation is evident. It will save both yourself and those who hear you. That means when Timothy shares the same teaching which I am teaching you right now, if you meditate on it, it will save me. It is doing a lot of good to me in my personal life. Correct? And it will do a lot of good things too for you because you are hearing this word. You got it? Continue in this entirely and it will save both you and those who hear you. But it starts by saving whom first? Timothy, you. First saves you. I mean, you spend time studying this teaching. It will save you. I'm telling you, you spend time meditating on the goodness of Jesus, the righteousness that he gives to you as a gift, the peace that he has, all that we, in fact, all these last four or five messages that we've been preaching, I mean, we've preached a lot of messages, but I'm saying all these last four or five messages, I'm, I'm saying they are such heavy meat, like righteous, righteously, peace, your inheritance, then a couple of other ones very solid messages for you to, I mean, more deeper meat than what we would otherwise preach. You know, it's real deep meat. You, you can just go in it, meditate on it, and from there, take off into your own study, in your own word, and start. Man, I'm telling you, guys, we don't have any other major jo sorry, job for us to do. I mean, this is it. Because it says, if you do this, it will benefit you, and it will benefit those who hear you. I can definitely tell you it has benefited me. I, I can share, if I share those testimonies, it will look very boastful. Got it? It will look as if very proudful. Therefore, I don't want to share those things. But it, will, it, it does glorify the Lord Jesus Christ big time. But it can be misunderstood as if I did something. Right? Because it does so much good for me because without even, without even making an effort, Things are working out. Make sense? It is saving. Things are happening in the workplace, in finances, in businesses, in investments. Things are just happening. The more I have spent time learning about Jesus, things automatically are happening in my life. And it's happening in the life of the people that I'm preaching to at workplace, in my friends. And I'm seeing effects in their life. Because this doctrine, this teaching is not, not, not what we have always understood. It is this gift, this righteousness that is as a gift to you. If you meditate on it, rather than depending on what I should do, there's five laws and six laws and stuff like that. If you meditate on this, and which is what Paul's saying during this, the spirit expressively says that in the latter days, some will depart from the faith giving 
heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And doctrines of demons he defines this as by telling what food to abstain from. Uh, now how not to get married. Everything about focus is about 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 you. What you should do. What foods you should stay away from. Some of those teachings may be very good. But he says those are doctrines of demons because it is it is moving the uh, spotlight away from Christ Jesus onto, onto yourself. And he says those are doctrines of demons. If you're going to spend time on the seven laws and all the so if you start listening to preaching and messages that is focused on your actions as in your efforts to be good, that is deceiving spirit. See, nobody will tell you this, correct? And it is very offensive to people. But it is a doctrine of demon. Now, is it, is it dangerous? It is dangerous. But or if, it, if it is dangerous, it, you may not cost you a salvation because you are already saved. But it will not profit you. Because you are going to be stuck in this battle to be righteous with your own effort. It means good with your own effort. That means, for example, let me give you a simple thing. It looks so clean. You know, brother, I'm going to make a point that from this day onwards, I will not watch stupid movies. See, it's a great thing, correct? Correct? Isn't that cool? Is that a good decision by a believer to do that? Yes. But it is not biblical. In a sense, it's, it's depending on your self-will to stay away from evil. Your, your decision to eat of the tree of good and evil. And your decision to live by. And the Bible says you're going to fall. You're going to mess up. And the moment you mess up, you're going to get condemned. The moment you get condemned, you will expect now judgments. That's where Satan has you. He wants you to expect judgments. And the moment you expect judgments, guess what happens? You will receive it. Because now he has no authority over you except by your desire. So, see, though on the top it looks very clean. But on the other hand, if I say, you know, I know I have a problem with this to watch dirty movies, but if I now concentrate on Jesus, on how good he is, while I have this problem, I'm going to spend time studying about how beautiful Jesus is, that how he loves me despite me watching all these movies, how unconditionally he loves me and how much he forgives me and he does not condemn me. Guess what happens? Miraculously, I'm telling you from my own life, I have no urge to watch or see any stupid stuff because it's just gone automatically. The, the desires itself have disappeared. I mean, I, and I did not even make any firm decision not to watch it. Make sense? So, but at, at sometimes when you, when you want to watch something, it's like, what is this? What is this? It doesn't make any sense. It, what is this? You know, it is, it's amazing. It's amazing. The Lord says, now in the new covenant, be transformed by beholding, not by doing. Wow. And that is the title of the message today. <laughs> the title of the message is beholding Jesus, wake up to your light. Amen? Beholding Jesus, wake up to your light. I mean, this is such a powerful message. We are talking about transformation according to the new covenant. 
See, the transformation under the new covenant is way different from the way all philosophies, all religions, or even including the Old Testament, talks about getting transformed. The way you get transformed according to the new covenant, and this is huge. Are you guys excited? We're talking about a real foundation teaching right now. So, you know, sometimes you get discouraged that not there are so not many, so many people listening to the message, correct? But God says that even if one person listens to this message, and I live in that one person, correct? The capacity of that spirit to touch all the world. Remember the demon-possessed man? How many demons were in that demon-possessed man? 2,000. A legion. Almost 2,000. 2,000 demons in one spirit. Look at the capacity of your spirit to, ha- to hold spirits. We are so big that we can hold God himself in our spirit. Not in our body, but in our, in our spirit. God himself and in the new body, he's going to transform us. But I'm saying he's in our spirit. That's why he's called the father of spirits. We are so huge in our spirit. That is why I was, t- I was sharing this. Uh, I was sharing with this one of my friends at work. And I was telling him, uh, your spirit is so big, it cannot be filled with anything. If somebody gives you this whole world, you'll get bored after two days. Because your spirit is so big, it cannot hold it. it it's empty. Make sense? A hungry man, if you want to fill him, how much should you feed him? If it is Alkesh, and if it is George, <laughs> very different. Capacity matters. And if it's if it is Shaq, how much can he eat? Right? I mean, capacity. I mean, how do you fill a hungry person? The spirit of the, the spirit of a man is huge. But what I'm saying is this, this teaching, what he talks about, beholding Jesus and being transformed, is a powerful teaching to explain that your spirit is an ability to take and be transformed and cannot be transformed by anything else except by God himself. Your spirits are huge, brothers and sisters. Your spirits are huge. I mean, you all look like small packages. You all look like small packages. Like a 5'5 five five and looks very limited in terms of this. But your spirit... Wow, what do you say about a honey? How is my body with such a small package holding this huge spirit? That is a mystery. That is why even after you, your body is gone, your spirit continues to live eternally. But your spirit is huge. Now your spirit is born again. And God wants you to be transformed and to be blessed and to be prospered exactly like Jesus is. So only Jesus can make that transformation for you. You cannot do it on your own. With your body, you cannot do that for your spirit, but Jesus can. Okay, so beholding Jesus, wake up to your spirit. Okay, let's go to this. John chapter 17. We may or may not uh, finish this today, but we will definitely cover it systematically. John chapter 17. Let's go to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. You will see something so beautiful today. I'm excited about it. John chapter 17. Let's read this. This is Jesus about to now go to, uh, go to the cross, but before that he has this meeting with the disciples in the upper room. John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17. Absolute. I mean, 
if you ever have a red, red letter Bible, you will see that all those chapters are like red, 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 red. I mean, there's no other chapters in the Bible which is like direct words. I mean, everything is direct words of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. But on earth, those are such amazing material. Now, look at what Jesus says in John chapter 17, verse 20 onwards. I'm going to read this very slowly. I do not pray, now Jesus is now praying to the Father. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory that which you have given me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Okay, verse 22 says, the glory which you have given me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. Okay, this is important. Now listen to me, look at me. Jesus is saying, this glory that God the Father gave Jesus, I have, what is it? I have Past tense or present tense? Past tense. Jesus has already now given to the disciples the same glory that God the Father has given to Jesus. So what is glory? Glory is? Good, good, awesome. Glory is good opinion. The Father's good opinion of His Son, God now, Jesus now gives it to His disciples. Did they earn it? No. How did they get it? They got it by Jesus gave it as a gift. Correct? Jesus gave this glory. Means So glory is not warm, fuzzy, yellow light. No. Glory according to the Bible is God's good opinion about you. Correct? So I'll prove it through the Bible. I'll prove it to you. Right? But it is... Just take it from me right now. It glory is God's good opinion about you. Man did not have that good opinion from God about himself because of man's sin. Correct? But Jesus had a great opinion. Remember when he went to the Jordan and when he humbled himself and he wanted to be baptized though he was without sin because baptism was a sign of washing away of sins. Correct? But yet Jesus humbled himself. The moment he humbled himself, God the Father Shouted out from heaven because he didn't want anybody to think what? Jesus. That Jesus is a sinner. He wanted everybody to know he is not in the Jordan because he's a sinner. He is, a, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So the father glorified Jesus. So beautiful. So why did Jesus go into the Jordan? Because he's saying that I will one day go through the Jordan. Remember we studied last time this Jordan crossing many times? I mean, go back to the Jordan, right? Jordan is the ultimate crossing point that you can never make it across. What is that crossing point? Death. All the law could not get Israel into Canaan. Did you know that? Moses, the servant, could never get Israel into Canaan. Now let me repeat. This is huge for you. Just let me repeat it. Moses, the servant, could never get Israel into Canaan. Why? 
Are you excited? Do you want to know the answer? Only the son can get you into Canaan, not a servant. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because who the son sets free is free indeed. Moses was a servant. The law is a servant. Only the son can get you into Canaan. But Canaan involves crossing what? The Jordan. That is death. The law could never get you past death. However good you are. Can never get you because you will always fall short of God's glory. God's good opinion. But only Jesus who himself had to go through the Jordan man means what? He had to die. And he had to pay the price. The price of our sin was death. So Jesus did finish paying that death penalty. But the good news is, it's good that Jesus took the death. But it is not good news for us unless we can go into the Jordan. See, the whole point of taking the Jordan crossing is for what? To stay in the Jordan? To go across. If Jesus had to just stay in the Jordan and finish paying the price, what is the use of it? If I cannot get to the Canaan. So Jesus was the only one. Father raised him up. And in Jesus, we got raised. Isn't that beautiful? And he made it across the Jordan. Okay, so here he's saying this glory. Okay, by the way, are you excited? Let me show you something. Okay, this is, this is fun. I thought I would share it in some other message, but this, this week, the Lord just showed me this and I was like so blown away. There is one book in the Bible which is named after Jesus Christ. Do you know that? Joshua! Joshua, <laughs> Joshua is the only book in the Bible which is named after. I mean, all the books in the Bible have some level of, you know, Jeremiah means Yah throws, you know. Uh, Isaiah also has Yah in it. So all Yahs are the Lord Jesus. Lord in the in the in the Old Testament was called Yahweh, correct? But Yeshua, Yeshua, the revealed name of Jesus, the revealed name of the Son of God. There's only one book in the Bible. So, do you think there's a mystery about this book? And there is a mystery. This is so beautiful. I want you to go to Joshua. Come on, let's go to Joshua. Are we getting diverted? But I, I, I think not. But we'll talk about it. Let's go to Joshua. So Joshua happens to be the sixth book. Very interesting. Six is a number of man. So after five comes the man. The man is Yeshua. Okay, now let's look at Joshua. Let's see how Joshua starts. Okay, y'all will shout. If, if you read verse now, verse 1. Okay? Look at this. Now let's read it very carefully. Verse 1. After the death of Moses the servant, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua the son. <laughs> Do you see that? After the death of Moses the servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son. What is the Lord now speaking to Joshua? Which is Jesus, correct? 
Correct? What is he saying? Verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. <laughs> Do you see the mystery there? Do you see the mystery? The mystery is only the sun can cross the Jordan. Only Joshua can cross the Jordan. Joshua, Moses, my servant. Jesus, Moses, the law was a servant. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And only they could, only he could. Okay. So go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place. Now watch this. Watch this. This is so good. Every place that the sole of whose feet? Not the people's feet. Joshua's feet. Your feet will tread the, upon I have given it to you, says the Lord. Say, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and all this up to the will be a territory. No man, verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you. No man can stand before Yeshua. All the days of your life. How long is Jesus planning to live? So don't bother standing up before him. No man can stand before you all the days of your life. Don't bother. I am the, the man. No, don't worry. No man can stand before him all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land that I have swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong. Okay, now listen to this. Verse 5. Only be strong and be very courageous that you may observe to do all according to the law which Moses my servant commanded you. So is he saying he is putting the onus of obeying the law to whom? The to the son. He is saying you take the responsibility of obeying the law. Keep reading. Do not turn from it from the right hand or to the left that you may prosper in whatever way you go. Look at verse 8. What is he saying in verse 8? He says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you shall observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and you will have good success. By the way, that verse sounds familiar, isn't it? Where is it coming out from? Okay, let's read Psalms 1. Psalms 1. Psalms 1. Verse 2. Blessed is the... Okay, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the law, Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in season whose leaves shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. So, you know, you, how many times have you read that chapter and thought that you can do that? You know that, that, that demand is not being made of you. That demand is being made of Joshua. 
God puts on Joshua the demand of righteousness and obedience to the law and he says you do it and let Israel get the inheritance as a gift hallelujah so the thing is let Joshua do so everything changed after Joshua came so everything that Joshua will do the Israel would benefit so Joshua would uh, hit the river Jordan the river waters will part then Israel will walk through Joshua will walk across the walls of Jericho, the walls will fall, Israel will jump in. Now it is Joshua going for the battles for them and they receive the benefit of it. Who is this Joshua? Jesus. He is the one who met it on the law of the Lord, day and night, and whatever he does prosperous. And you would say, you know, Anil, I thought that is for me and if I met it on in day and night, I will be prosperous. Sorry. You cannot... Meet that standard of what God has made Joshua have. Remember it? But but God gives it to you as what? As a gift. Joshua does it. You get it as a gift. He said, divide to the people the inheritance that I have given you. Amazing. Amazing. I want you all to go back and study Joshua from this aspect of... The demand that God made from Moses as a servant and from the people which they could not keep, God makes a demand now of Joshua and expects Joshua to keep it. And the inheritance that he gets, he wants it to be divided to Israel as a gift. Hallelujah. Now that you know that the book of Joshua is about Jesus, I want you to study the book of Joshua now with this perspective. Joshua fights my battles. Say, repeat after me. He meditates on the law of the Lord. He prospers in his way. He is a tree that is planted by rivers of water and he will bear fruit and his fruit will not wither. Which tree is this? Which tree is this? That's the tree of life that was in the Garden of Eden. Here was a tree of life in the Garden of Eden. Man didn't want to go to, go to Joshua. Because according to Psalms 1, he is a tree that is planted. And his fruit will never, leaves will never wither, and his fruits will never fail. Correct? And we, we see this tree show up in Revelation chapter 22 as a tree that brings forth fruit in its season every month. Did you know that? Shows up in the last chapter of the Bible. So the tree of life shows up there. But Psalms 1 says that this tree of life is this righteous man. Then Joshua 1 talks about who is this man who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. His name is Yeshua. And he says he is a tree that is fruit will not wither. So here is this Joshua in the garden of Eden. And producing fruit for Adam and Eve to receive. But Adam and Eve refuses to eat of him, of a man, and wants to eat of the law, the knowledge of good and evil, of a servant. And they never make it. So beautiful. I mean, you see, this whole Bible is a parable. The whole Bible is an object lesson and a picture album of who? Of Jesus. 
So when you start putting yourself in the place of demand in the law, in the Psalms, in everything, saying this is from expected from me, this is expected from me, you are being set up for what? Condemnation. And the moment you get condemned, you die. Do you see this, brothers? The way you get transformed in the new covenant is not by deciding to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Not by stretching out your hand. Remember last time we said that when Abraham wanted to sacrifice Isaac, what was the voice that came from heaven? Come on, repeat after me. We told your hand. Withhold your hand is the voice that has gone out from God from generations and generations and continues to this generation. What is the voice? That voice says, withhold your hand from the sacrifice of my son, Jesus Christ. Don't pay the price and don't try to be righteous like him by your effort. Because no man can stand before him. Hallelujah. Withhold your hand. Means don't try to pay the price. So the moment, because the moment the hand was withhold, guess what happened? Abraham saw what? He saw the lamb. The lamb, the ram was always there. Where was it? In the front of him or behind him? We just studied that in last message. Right? The lamb was behind him. That was, it was already there, prepared for him. Guess why did he not see it? What was his focus on? On him doing the sacrifice. But you say, but Anand, didn't God said? Yeah, God said, bring the son. <laughs> but which son? The lamb. Behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So he had to see the ram caught in the thicket. That is why Jesus uses very interesting phrase when he talked to the Pharisees. He said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. See, the moment you see Jesus, I mean, this is so beautiful. I mean, this is the Holy Spirit just telling me right now. Every time, brothers and sisters, you see Jesus, he doesn't make a demand of you. Your heart is full of joy. He doesn't make a demand of you. When you see Jesus, he never makes a demand of you. All preachers that that masquerade as the voice of Jesus and makes a demand of you is a liar. He is a, he is a good shepherd that takes you beside still waters. He makes you lie down. He leads you. He feeds you. He clothes you. Never makes a demand on you. Never makes a demand on you. He is a God who supplies. So that is why the disciples were so happy with Jesus. They, they never had consciousness of their weaknesses. They would show up like James uh, and John. They would go to a Samaritan town. Jesus is preaching. They preach. The Samaritans don't receive him. James and John. Lord, shall we call fire down from heaven and consume these guys? Hold it. Hold it. You who's a sinner, who's messed up, who... You with all your weaknesses and all your failings and all your messed, messed up things and you all are the guys who fight among yourself saying who is the greatest among us. 
and with all your pride, you all have the ability to judge. They were like, cool, because they had no consciousness of their sins. Why do you think they had no consciousness of their sins when they were with Jesus? Why do you think it would be? Why do you think they never had any consciousness of their sins when they were with Jesus? Who do you think is responsible for that? them going every time, oh we are sinners, we are sinners. No. Only once did Peter did and the moment Jesus said, lifted him up and said him what? Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch fish. Because Jesus always they give them an assurance that they are clean. That is why when Peter said, Lord, when he said, if I don't wash your feet, you will have no part in me. So Peter immediately said, then why don't you just wash my head, my feet, my body, my... <laughs> He's just going all the way. Jesus immediately said, a man who's had a bath doesn't need to be washed again. You are already clean. That means you are... See, Jesus was so careful to reaffirm the cleanliness of his disciples every waking moment of their life. You think it is important for Jesus that they knew that they were righteous? Is it important for Jesus? Yes. Because if they, they have a, a, not aware of their righteousness as a gift that is imputed by Jesus, they will always be in fear around Jesus. Jesus would not be able to have a relationship with this with these disciples. So you know what? That's why the, the small children would walk up to Jesus. You know, small children never walk up to creepy people. <laughs> you know, children... I mean, they don't know anything, but they will not go up to creeps, right? You know, they're like, you may be good, you may be rich, but you're creepy, they aren't going to walk up, right? G children know who is welcoming, who is easy. And Jesus always attracted children because Jesus made them felt welcome. The tax collectors, the prostitutes were always walking. If the tax collectors and the prostitutes were so aware of their guilt and their shame, they would never go before a holy God unless this holy God is a God who says that he is the one who makes them completely clean, isn't it? So looking, Abraham said, uh, Jesus said, Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. Every time the disciples saw Jesus, they rejoiced. They said rejoiced because Jesus was not making a demand. He was cleansing them. He was restoring them. He had already judged them righteous and beautiful. Okay, so let's go to this. So uh, John chapter 17. John chapter 17 says, this glory which I have, I have given them. Wow, that was a, we diverted all the way back from Joshua and came back here. But that is the glory of Jesus. I in them that they may be perfect in one. So now we in Jesus are perfect. Amen? We are perfect. But he said, but I am not perfect. Okay. So there are two people who are saying, there is two, two witnesses right now. You say that you are not perfect. But Jesus says you are perfect. I think I will go with Jesus. What do you say? Is that cool? Right? You say you are not perfect, but Jesus says you are perfect. I think I will go with Jesus. You don't mind? Right? So I am going to stick with Jesus. Right? Because Jesus, I think I am more credible in this case. So Jesus says, they are perfect in me. Correct? And because you don't believe that, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to live in you. Every waking moment, the Holy Spirit will keep telling you what? 
You're righteous. You're righteous. You're perfect. You're perfect. Because he knows if I leave you for just two days, you are in the house shut, afraid of the Jews. Why? Because you are expecting judgments. Correct? Because you don't think you're righteous. Remember, judgments is a result of you feeling unworthy. Correct? So, he is very careful. So, he said, only the short time, just two, these three days, a little while longer, you will, I will not be with you and your heart will be sorrowful. But again, I will see you. The world will not see me, but you will see me. So, right now, you and I constantly live seeing the face of Jesus Christ. We constantly see the face of Jesus Christ. And what is this face telling you right now? What is this Jesus telling you right now? What is he telling you right now? You are perfect because he is perfect. So he is rich. So you are rich. He is righteous. You are righteous. So he says, since you are in me, as you see me, so are you. Now, as Jesus is, repeat. So am I in this world. As Jesus is, so am I in this world. So as you see Jesus right now, so are you in this world. So now your transformation has nothing to do with you doing stuff. It's all about you seeing what you want to be. So you want to be what? You have to see Jesus that. So when you see him, you get transformed. So he said that is so totally different than what I have studied. But that is now the New Testament transformation. Seeing Jesus, beholding Jesus transforms you. Amen? Okay, let's go to this. Okay. So he says, now let's read John chapter 17 verse 24. Father, I desire that you, they also who you have given me may be with me where I am that they may behold my glory. See? Jesus wants you to be with him where Jesus is. Now he's talking this before Jesus went to the cross. Correct? So he's telling the father, let them be where I am. For what purpose? For what purpose? To behold my glory. So the only reason Jesus, one of the, not the only reason, the main reason why Jesus wants you to be in him. Or in the place where Jesus is right now. Do you believe that now you are seated with Jesus at the right hand of the Father? Do you believe that? Yes or no? You are. (laughs) You are. You say, but I am here on the earth. Remember we talked that example, right? If the Queen of England comes, comes to Dallas, is she still sitting on the throne? Or does he have to carry the throne here to Dallas? <laughs> in her, in her, in the, in the, in the flight. Does she have to carry the throne? Throne? <laughs> the throne follows her everywhere? No. I don't know. She is still seated on the throne. But she is here. So are you. You are here right now on the earth. You are in Carrollton, Texas right now. But you are seated with Jesus right now in heavenly places. Amen? Amen? You are there. So he says, but that they may be with me where I am. So they may behold my glory which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. Wow. There's so much stuff in there. Okay. So this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus, Father, please let them be with me where I am. Right? That they may see my glory. What is glory? God's good opinion about me. Correct? That they may see my good opinion. 
that you loved me before the foundation of the world. So he's saying is, let them see that I, I am always your beloved, I was, and I was beloved before the foundation of the world. Means what? Let's translate it into simple, plain English. That you loved me even before I made one little pinky flea. That means when I had nothing to boast about my works, you still love me. Hallelujah! Do you, do you get it? Guys, did you get it? That means Jesus is saying, let them know that you didn't love me because I made all these heavens and the earth and all these living creatures and all these things and I went to the cross and died for them. Yes, you love me because of that, but let them know that you love me when? Before the foundation of the world. That means even before I... Who made this heavens and the earth? Do you know? Do you know who made the heavens and the earth? God made it through Jesus. So Jesus was instrumental in creating all this. I mean, Jerry, you are a surgeon. You are a doctor. And you, you know, you know the, the complexity in a human body. I mean, we spend whole lifetimes just studying one common part. Like the tip of a nose can be, you can get a PhD out of it, right? Or, you, or, the, or a fingernail. And, or, I mean, they are discovering organs even right now, right now, right? I mean, there's so much of mystery about this thing. I mean, how does this thing work? And one of my biggest pastimes is to watch YouTube videos on all this weird biological stuff. You know what I mean? Like the other day I was watching a fly lay eggs. <laughs> but it's like, why do you watch that? But man, you, did you watch a video on a fly lay the eggs that create maggots? Man, the eggs are so beautiful and it's so much capacity and how intricately it do, does it and, the, and they showed a close-up of this fly lay eggs. You should look at the eyes of this fly. It's perfectly designed, complex. It looks like from some futuristic space machine. The beauty in God's creation. I mean, talking about something... As yucky as a fly lay eggs, it's so beautiful. The brilliance of this Jesus. Jesus' wisdom to create all this. And God's Jesus says, let them know that even before I had anything to boast about, you love me. Why is it important for them to know that you love me like this without depending on my works that you love me? Why? Because, correct! Because if they know, because which glory is what I am giving you? Which is the glory I am giving you? Am I giving you the glory that is a result of good works? Or am I giving you a glory that is irrespective of good works? Irrespective of good works. And don't you think that will keep you now? That God loves me even when I don't do one good thing. And the Bible says, beholding Jesus, when you see how Jesus is loved, the Bible says that you should know that's how you are loved. Beholding Jesus, be, you are the same. As he is, so are you. Because he gives, he is, you are, he is perfect, you are perfect. So he says, the more you see, but he says, but in, in, in this area in my life, I just don't have the confidence. That is because in that area of your life, you don't see Jesus confident. 
elementary Watson. That's how it is. Like for example, if, if you have problems with wealth in your life, correct? Because you never see Jesus rich. But you say, but Arnold, I don't see Jesus rich. Precisely. That's the reason why you don't see yourself rich. Do you know that Jesus was the richest being that ever walked on the earth? He had no lack. How do you define riches? When you own everything and have no lack and all your needs are met, you are rich and you have abundance that can never exhaust. That is super rich. He said, out of me shall... He told the disciples when they forgot to bring, carry the bread in the boat. He said, when I had, when I had four breads and five breads, how much leftover baskets you had? I mean, Jesus did not have one, did not need to have leftover basket. What was he trying to prove? What is he trying to prove with his leftover basket? He has just more than enough. You cannot just not exhaust me. He's like, oh no, isn't it, wouldn't it be so supernatural, brother Arnold, if Jesus just multiplied bread just enough for the last person to meet it? No, it will not be miraculous. It is more miraculous to know that I have a God on whom I can make a supply and a demand that will never exhaust, even if my neighbor is blessed. <laughs> Where does covetousness and pride come from? When you think that others has it and now because of that there is a shortage in the supermarket? That you can't get it? No! Manisha is blessed. Guess what? I am next in line. <laughs> that's, how, that's her philosophy. She is told that. She said every time she sees somebody blessed, she says, Bruh, the line is getting shorter. <laughs> I am next in line. Because you are now making a demand of an inexhaustible God, a God who is so super rich that is so So now that you see Jesus rich, guess what happens? You show up with riches. And you say, but look, I didn't do anything about it because that is the principle of the new covenant. As he is, so are you. So you say, but brother, so don't you think, do you think that that's what I should meditate on? Yes, you need to meditate day and night on how rich Jesus is. That for your sake, he became poor, but he now is super rich. And as he is, so are you. But you'll say, but brother, that's not my problem. I'm cool. I have a lot of money. But I have a problem with health. That's because you don't see Jesus healthy. Do you see Jesus with tumors in his body right now? <laughs> Lumps in his breast? Do you see Jesus? No. So the Bible says, as he is, so are you in this world. So you have a sickness. Like uh, sometimes I have boils. Sometimes I'm saying, oh, Jesus, you don't have a boil in your armpit. So I should not have a boil in my armpit because... I am beholding you. The Bible is so beautiful. It calls beholding Jesus. Now listen to this. As if beholding in a mirror. Now that doesn't make sense. Why? Why does it make sense? Correct. In the mirror whose reflection do you see? You don't. So you should never use the word beholding Jesus as if beholding in a mirror. Correct? So what should it be actually? I've given you a good interpretation of the English language. You should see beholding Jesus as if beholding a good painting a, a, or a, a good photograph. Correct? Because if you want to see Jesus, you want to see Jesus, isn't it? If you want to see Jesus, why would you go to the mirror? Because he wants you to know, you may not know it, 
that you are what is it that Jesus is. Just because, so he says, wake up every morning to the mirror to see you as who? Jesus. So that's so beautiful. It's precisely the Spirit uses the word beholding as if in the mirror. Why? Because in the mirror you're supposed to see yourself, but yet in this mirror you see Jesus. So if you're seeing Jesus, now if you see Jesus, okay, okay. wow, I got this. I think you, you, do you get it? If you wake up in the morning, Manoha, if you wake up tomorrow in the morning, you open the bathroom door and you go and stand before the mirror and you see Jesus in the mirror, what does it mean? That means what? What's happened? What's happened? So do you say, I see Jesus? You see myself. But you see Jesus in the mirror. So what's happened to you? I have become like Jesus. You see the thing? So the Bible says, wake up and see Jesus in you. That means you, are, he, you see righteousness in that mirror. That means you are righteous. Don't forget that you're, what you saw in the morning. Now let's go to James James chapter James chapter Okay, James chapter 1 verses verses uh, 22, 23, 24 This is so powerful 25, 25 Okay You'll understand this verse as you've never understood it before. Okay, let's read. You, how many of you have heard, be here, doers of, not hearers of the word, but doers of it, doers of it, doers of it. And how many people have condemned you because just don't be, you just be hearing God's word, but actually do it, do it, do it, do it. Okay, now you'll understand now that we understood this passage, you'll understand it totally different. What is it? Nothing to do with what you're studying. It's really nothing to do with it. Okay, listen to this. Therefore, lay aside lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. He says, kind of, just humble yourself. Just accept that you cannot make it. Receive this word. Which word? The word of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Receive it with humility. Know that you cannot make it with your effort. Receive it. Receive Jesus in your life with meekness. You cannot receive Jesus with pride. Pride means depending on your strength. If you accept Jesus, you are really depending on Him to make you, to deliver you. So he says, receive this with, with meekness, this word, okay? Which will save your souls, correct? That's the word that will save your soul. Amen. I agree, okay? So he's, now he's talking about receiving with meekness, the word, as the doing. Say doing. Don't just keep hearing this, that you have to receive it, receive it, receive it, but don't do anything about it. Means what? Do it. That means what? Receive it. Receive it. Believe this word that has come to you. What is this word coming and telling you? That you are righteous in Christ Jesus. Correct? Don't just hear it. Do it. Means what? Receive it. Got it? The context is receiving. Okay? But be, but be doers of the word. Which word? The implanted word. That will save your soul. Correct? Of Jesus. If anyone is a hearer of word, not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. He, 
for he observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was correct so he say if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man observing his natural face okay so this is a man who has not received jesus okay you get it are you here with me yeah. this is a man who has not received jesus so he wakes up in the morning and goes to the bathroom mirror and he sees himself what he sees what face what face unnatural natural unnatural face and what does a natural face say that you are you are short of god's glory you are messed up you have issues you got problems you are sick <laughs> that's what the natural face is that's called the natural face correct so he walks away what is in the message so every morning you get a message from the mirror if you are not a believer the message says you are a you are a sinner so he goes away he forgets that he is a sinner and he refuses to receive the implanted word which will save him from his natural face i mean let me tell you everybody needs a facelift god <laughs> you guys are flowing in the spirit everybody needs a facelift now the question is who will you go to for the facelift so if you forget that you need a facelift guess what you will get reminders throughout the day <laughs> you need a I mean, people are not you know people are not crazy but uh, i think lincoln said everybody over the age of 40 is responsible for his own face <laughs> that's what he said so i'm saying is we are responsible right you have to do something about it so he says but you can receive the implanted word which is jesus and save your face right or you can forget not forgetting the natural face and and say what say what he forgets this and says what says what that i am okay i don't need the implanted word he says that's what you are if you are not a doer of the word if you for you are like a man who looks at his natural face and forgets that he needs a face lift you got it okay now he contrasts the believer now let's look at the believer but say but now he's talking about a believer the believer who has received the implanted word that has saved his soul now he's talking about you say me now what is your job because even you wake up in the morning and you go into the bathroom and you say do you still go to and see the mirror mirror let's look at what he says verse 25 but he looks into the perfect law of say perfect law of liberty what is the perfect law of liberty now telling you in the mirror you're righteous but now you as a believer walks away not believing what has been just told to you in the morning you are a double minded man you got it just like the natural man saw his natural face and would not receive that report now you as a believer walks away from the perfect law of liberty and tells you you are righteous you are rich you are prosperous you are healthy and walks away and keeps saying to yourself i am a natural man which is what you do as believers right we go away saying that you know but i don't deserve to be wealthy oh i don't deserve to be healed oh i do i deserve to be struggle just like the natural man but the natural man has a natural face you have the perfect law of liberty staring at you in your face says that you are righteous so therefore you don't walk away 
with a different message. Hallelujah. The perfect law of liberty. But remember, the whole point is, who are you beholding in this mirror as a believer? Who is this perfect law of liberty? In whose face are you seeing this perfect law of liberty? Who is reminding you that you are perfect, perfect law? Perfect law. Look at the word. Look at the word. It says perfect law of liberty. That means there is no exemptions to this law. It's a perfect law. You know, a law is called perfect when there is no problem with the law anytime. A law is perfect when it is when, which law will you call perfect? A law that doesn't need too many amendments and exemptions and you know conditions. This is a perfect law. That means it doesn't it's not, it's, there's no conditions to it. You are righteous perfectly. You're holy perfectly. You're sanctified. It means separated away from all evil. Perfectly. So he says, he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues and is not forgetful, that means he continues to believe that message throughout the day and continues in it. Law continues in it. Is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Wow. Hold it. Hold it. I'm so excited about this. So this for the first time, the Bible defines the doer for a believer. The job of the... This is how God, the Holy Spirit, says whether you are doer of God's word or not. How does he define it? Does not forget what he saw. Say, come on, repeat after me. Does not forget what he saw. Say, repeat after me. Does not forget what he saw. On, repeat after me. Does not forget what he saw. And Bible calls it what? Huh? No. He's a doer of the work. This one will, what will happen to him? In whatever he does. Isn't that what we just said? If you meditate on this message that God has declared you righteous, and you saw that in the face of Jesus Christ. And you don't forget it. And you continue in it. Continue in it means what way? Continue in it means what way? There is no doing in it, brother. There is no doing in this. This is precisely what I am trying to tell you. There is no doing in this new covenant. There is only what? Believing. Hearing and believing and continuing. That means never forgetting that you are righteous. That means if you need a reminder, do what? Go back and see Jesus again. And guess what will happen? A supernatural thing will happen. What is the supernatural thing? He will be blessed in everything he does. Wow. You're talking about Psalms 1 now being fully fulfilled without the obligations of Psalms 1. Psalms 1, Jesus did it. You are now resting in what the righteous Yeshua did in Joshua chapter 1. Got it? You are believing 
by beholding Jesus, the perfect law of liberty, you benefit of the same reward that Jesus benefits by his obedience. So he, Jesus receives the obedience by doing, you receive the obedience by beholding. Say beholding. Seeing Jesus. Seeing Jesus gives you the same reward that in the old covenant a doer would receive. Is that good? Are you all excited about that? Beholding Jesus. Beholding. See Jesus. That means every day when you wake up in the morning, look into the perfect law of liberty. What is the perfect law of liberty? When you, when you feel judged about anything, you should look at it and say, I am perfectly sinless in Christ Jesus. When you are put to shame, I am perfectly righteous Because that is the glory. Remember the glory is the good opinion of God the Father over you? When you, when somebody like, and you go through this throughout the day, you take it from me. You don't pass 24 hours before somebody judging you concerning anything. It could be your spouse, it could be your child, it could be your boss. You could, how judgment comes like that? Alkesh, what happened? Uh, you were supposed to come for the meeting? What, what is that? That's an accusation, correct? Because you were supposed to come for that meeting, that means you did not come. The problem is, tell me what happened. That means you are now being judged. Correct? 24 hours. You are constantly judged in this world. The only way you can prosper in everything that you do, the Bible says, is you look when you are judged, you look into the perfect law of liberty. Yes, I know I messed up that, but Jesus, you have taken everything and you made me righteous and you are perfect and therefore I am blameless. And God calls me blameless, therefore I am blameless. Therefore, Abraham became uh, got his child. He was not blessed in everything that he does. He was blessed in his investments. He was blessed in his capital. He was blessed in everything. But in one area, he was not blessed. Correct? What was that area? What's that? What's that? Child. He did not have a child. Because in that area, what? how did he see himself? No. He saw himself childless. Remember he told uh, uh, the Lord, do you, do you see that I am childless? He saw himself childless. Because why? In that area, he does not see Jesus with child. So Jesus changed his name so that he starts seeing himself with meditate on, finally my brethren, meditate on these things. How many days did he need to meditate? Huh? After he changed his name? One year. He changed his name. In one year, he had his baby. You got it? Because in one year, his mind changed. He started seeing Jesus as, a fa as one who is fruitful. And he started seeing himself fruitful. His name got changed. He said, I'm a father of many nations. And he had a child. He saw Jesus. That's why Abraham saw my day and rejoiced. See, saw Rejoice. See, you have to get rid out of your mind that my doing is not going to prosper you. My, my seeing is prospering me. Seeing what? Seeing Jesus prospers you. Man, this is deep teaching. If you'll get this level, you will prosper. This is how many of you have studied this James chapter and totally didn't see this? The doer of the word. How many times you have been beaten by that verse? Do not just be hearers of the word, but do it, doer of it, doer of it, doer of it. 
did, did it, how many of you have read that as doing the word? Right? Right. Did I not just show it to you what is the doing the word? And the Bible so clearly says in that chapter, how is it that it is not visible to you? Right? Because it, everything is in the Bible is not visible at first level. You have to see it with the eyes of the Holy Spirit. You have to see the sun. How many of you see the Joshua is the picture of Jesus. How does the first one starts with that? Joshua the son but Moses is the servant. Isn't it? Because it's all about Jesus. It's there everywhere. So you have to see in the scripture you have to see whom? Because the moment you see Jesus what happens to you? You see yourself righteous. You see yourself prosper. So Jesus' first primary mandate after resurrection was for his disciples to be able to see him. Got it? Got it? Because their eyes want to be open. Now this is very powerful. I don't have too much time, but I have to tell you this. Because this is so deep. This the Holy Spirit gave just while I was preparing for this message. This is very, very powerful. Everything is powerful. <laughs> Go to Genesis chapter 2. Y'all will love this. Y'all will love this. Okay. The title of this sub-message is called Where do you get your clothes from? Where do you get your clothes from? Okay. Okay. This is beautiful. When you see this, you will understand why Beholding Jesus is the answer for your blessedness in your life. You'll see this, okay? Okay, are you ready? Okay, let's look at this. Let's look at uh, Genesis chapter 2, verses 9, and uh, verse 8. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Verse 9. And out of the ground, the Lord made every tree. Say every tree. Every Grow tree. that is pleasant to the sight. Say pleasant to the sight. Pleasant to the sight. And good for food. Say good for food. Good for food. Okay. So he made how many trees? Every tree. What? Pleasant to the sight and good for food. Pleasant to the sight, good for food. Which is more important in order? Pleasant to the sight is more important than good for food. The first priority for God while making trees. Why is trees important in the Garden of Eden? Man, everything is from the tree. I mean, the whole Bible is about the tree. Correct? So obviously it is about Jesus. Correct? Right? We just studied Psalms 1. He is a tree that we eat of, you know. And Jesus stands up and says that Samaritan woman out of me. If you knew who it is asking for a drink, you would ask him and he will give you rivers of living water. It's all about, it, it's a picture, it's a, it's, a, it's a parable of Jesus, correct? But it's a real, but it's also a tree, but it's also Jesus. But he made Jesus first, what? Pleasant to see. The first is pleasant to see. The tree has to be pleasant to see. So do you think the tree of life was pleasant to see? Yes or no? Yes. How many of you agree that the tree of life was pleasant to see? Correct? And where was it in the garden? Are you sure it's in the midst? Why should it be in the midst of the garden? Huh? 
It's the best fruit. <laughs> yeah, it is the best fruit. Jesus is the best. He's the rose of Sharon. The lily of the valley. What's the other word? He's a thousand? What is it? Fairer than? 10,000. Wow. He's the lily of the valley. Fairer than 10,000. He's fairer than 10,000. Jesus is the most beautiful to see. Think about it. No wonder Jesus was, Jesus was cool. Jesus, disciples loved Jesus. He was so grumpy. He was happy. He was beautiful. He was pleasant to look at. But he said, but the Bible says in Isaiah 53 that he was most despised with no man to even look at him. On the cross. <laughs> On the cross, he got your face. <laughs> I didn't, I, that just came to me. <laughs> so you, you have a problem with your face? Crucify <laughs> Even your face problem was taken care of. Correct? Correct? Amen? I mean, it's good for you to know that your face, your, your husband ever says, I hate your face. Say, blame it for Jesus. You know, put it on Jesus. No, 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 with the Jesus, your face. My face is crucified. I have a new face. My face is the reflection of the face of Jesus Christ, I have his glory, correct? Amen. So this face was beautiful. This tree was pleasant to the sight. Awesome. Good. Good. Now let's go back to verse 25. Look at this verse. I've asked this question not many times, but I've asked in the past. Never understood it until, until the Lord showed this to me. Verse 25. And they were both naked, and the man and his wife and they were not ashamed. Wow. There's so much in it. Is this before man fell or after man fell? Right? What is going on here? Why of all of God's creation that is perfect and all of God's creation is clothed? Uh, Jesus said, look at the lilies of the valley. They need the toil nor spin, but yet your heavenly father has clothed them. And Solomon in all his glory, look at the word, all his glory. What is glory there defined as of Solomon? Hold it, hold it. Good, we are, we are getting deeper here. How does God define Solomon's glory? Hold it. What is he talking about there? Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of them. One of whom? The lilies. So lilies had glory? Yes. What glory was the lilies had? They were clothed. So Solomon's glory came, was reflected in what that he had? His clothes that he had. Do you get it? See, the glory that God defines is intricately connected to the clothes that you wear. Say clothes. So that's the question. Where will you get your clothes from? Or where will you get your glory from? Okay, let me ask the question again. Where will you get your clothes from? Or in biblical terms, where will you get your Glory from, correct? Who, who, whom equa who equates glory to clothes? Jesus. 
in this example of Solomon, he said, Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these. So it's not my interpretation of glory. It is Jesus' own interpretation of glory. Jesus is Yahweh God. He is the one who clothed Solomon. But Solomon was not clothed with the glory of with clothes. And he, he equates it to clothes. Because he says, these have glory. But their clothes, their glory is more, so much more far better. Got it? So, so my question to you is this. Why won't happen to the clothes of Adam and Eve. What happened to that? Was that a missing element in creation? Wow. Wow, guys, you are going to be so blessed with this. What happened? Come on, think about it. I want you all to think. I don't see it. Look at what it says here. Verse 25. They were both Who's saying this? God is saying that they were both naked and the man and his wife and were not ashamed. So here was a situation where all of God's creation, now where does the clothes of an animal come from? Where does it come from? From internally. It comes from inside its body, isn't it? Every creation's clothes come from where? From within itself. Say within itself. Like a sheep has glory with its beautiful fur. You cut the uh, fur, what happens to the fur? It grows back. Right? Like a zebra looks beautiful. Clothed completely. Is a zebra naked? No. Completely clothed with beautiful white, uh, black and white stripes. You remove the fur, what will happen to it? It will come back. A tiger with all its stripes, beautiful. A cheetah, a, a flower. If, do you see anybody naked in creation? They don't need, it's not needed for them to have. A lot of the animals can survive without the, the glory because their glory is their, they look beautiful, correct? But all of them have received their glory from God, correct? But yet when man and woman was made, they were they were naked, but they were not ashamed. Who? Okay, so now we know that why they were not ashamed at this point of time. That means they had no consciousness of their nakedness. We will address the question of nakedness later. That means they did not have clothes. Why did God, why did they not have clothes? Correct? Correct? So now let's address the issue of why were they not ashamed? Why do you think they were not ashamed? Why were they not ashamed? Because their eyes were not opened to their lack. Correct? And the Lord God would walk with them in the cool of the day. Never. Just like Jesus was walking with disciples. Were the, were the disciples saved when Jesus was here on the earth? No. Because Jesus had not yet paid the price. But was the, was the disciples sin conscious when Jesus was with them? No. Because though they were naked, they, Jesus never revealed to them their sin. He covered them. Say cover. Covered them with his glory. Correct? Now, when did their eyes get opened? 
Okay, let's read what happened. Let's look at verse Genesis chapter 3 verses. Six. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise. He took off its fruit and ate. She gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were open and they knew that they were naked. Correct? So, what did, what did she say? Look at the uh, verse 3. But the woman said, uh, verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is where? In the midst of the garden, God had said, You shall not eat it, nor you shall touch it, lest you should see. She, the, the, the woman, he was put with uh, to help Adam. They were both helped, they were there. For what purpose? To be a helper to Adam, correct? But what was her assignment? Her assignment was their eyes to be opened. Correct? Now the question is, their eyes could be opened by what? By eating of a tree. Which tree? Of a tree that is pleasant to sight, which is in the midst of the garden. How many trees were in the midst of the garden? Two trees. One was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and one was the tree of life. Correct? So, Eve is very conscious of which tree? She is very conscious of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But she is not conscious of the tree of life. Though the tree of life is also in the midst. Why did God put the tree of life in the midst? Because he wants what to happen? He wants Adam and Eve to behold it. So by beholding, what happens? And by eating of that tree, what will happen? Their eyes will be opened. And what will happen? They will be covered with the glory of Yeshua. You see, unlike all of creation, man and woman's glory comes from their eyes. So let me, how do I put it? Like for example, if you are, if this was a room that was completely with no windows, there was one window which was black, correct? Will there be light in this room? Correct? So, do you say that this room is in darkness? Correct. What will make the light come into this room? You open the window, correct? You open the window and if it is noonday, the, the light will just flood into the room. The, will it go into every corner and everywhere inside the room? Sure. You cannot hide from this light. It floods into the room, right? So now will you say that this is house is full of light? Or house is full of glory. So but is this glory of its own or is it of from somewhere outside? Outside. See the clothes of man and woman comes from beholding the perfect one, Jesus Christ. When you see him, because who is the light of the world? Jesus. When that light, when you open your eyes to that light, what happens to you? No, it fills you. That light fills you up and you shine. 
what happens is so now the god says now you are clothed so what happened was before adam and eve could get become clothed and god had already made the provision for their clothing where in the in the garden but god had to give them a choice the choice was do you want to be clothed by beholding jesus or do you want to be clothed by your own efforts from the tree so question did they cover themselves their nakedness they did how did they cover themselves with leaves so they stretched themselves leaves you see that stretch themselves so their glory came from where from their own self you got it that is why jesus came into the world the bible says okay now let's go to let's go to isaiah chapter 60 and we will cover this in the next session because there's so much stuff but let's look at isaiah chapter 60 what does it say arise shine for your light has come and the glory of the lord has risen over you see the light of jesus when he came into the world is the glory of man you got it so it's like a diamond that is cut perfectly correct but the diamond has no light in it have you seen diamonds like i had gone to london about i think about couple three four years back three i think two or three years back we we had gone to the tower uh, the tower of london london tower was it london tower the london tower they they store all the crown jewels and there is kohinoor and and all the top diamonds but it is a dark place but they always have lay, uh, strong light on these diamonds why suppose you switch off the uh, light what happened to these diamonds though they are very valuable can you see anything the diamonds have no light in themselves the moment the light came upon this they reflect what do they reflect their perfection they reflect the light but now because you are righteous in Christ Jesus your glory will never be seen unless you reflect it reflects the light of Jesus but how does the light come the bible says jesus says in matthew he says the eye of the body is the the light of the body is the eye of the body and he whose eyes are is full of darkness his body is full of darkness so if your eyes are not open to jesus your body does not have the light of jesus it's so so your clothes come from where your eyes so god's creation of all creation only man and woman their clothes come from their eyes so satan was very smart before they could open their eyes by eating of the tree of life he got them to open their eyes with the tree of knowledge of good and evil so guess what happened to them their eyes were opened but there was no glory because there was no no glory in the first place because they were they were naked correct the bible doesn't say that their glory disappeared after they sinned you know they were naked god wanted them to eat of jesus behold jesus so god wanted their eyes to be open to whom to jesus 
but now their eyes are open to their nakedness now god says do not let them eat of the tree now this is how the bible says you look at by read genesis chapter 3 it says lest this is how it says lest they put forth their hand when we hear that withhold your hand from the tree of life and live forever when when i have read that before i always thought about it as like not god is angry with man and doesn't want man to have the best is that what is going on here doesn't god want man to eat of the tree of life yes. so why is god putting angels with flaming swords all around them to protect them why correct that they know they are lost but now if they eat of the tree of life they will live forever in their lost state and they will never be able to cross the jordan because if man would have eaten of the tree of life after he is unrighteous death could never be crossed jesus sacrifice would never be sufficient correct because the, the the tree of life says that now you shall live for ever but now you shall live for how long in your unrighteousness till death can no okay, so i'm in a second you will not die that god is being merciful by allowing man to die so that so that jesus can one day come and finish paying the payment and be resurrected and not break the law of the tree of life you see how merciful god is can you believe you never have any chance of ever getting out and never dying and you think death is your enemy death would then be your savior you would want to die you want to die but you cannot die and you would never cross the jordan you would never cross the jordan because you would be now when when now when god has made you born again now you are righteous completely now he says now let you now you can eat of the tree of life all the time why now you are now you live forever in which state in the righteous state you got it now it makes sense for god to say eat of the tree of life and where do you see that in revelation chapter 22 he says eat of the tree of life forever now eat of this and live forever in which state in the righteous state and i'll close with this jesus walks on the road of mesaw and he solves this problem just after resurrection he shows up to a man and a woman at most likely a man and a, his wife just like in the garden of eden it was adam and eve let's go to luke chapter this and then we'll close luke chapter this luke look chapter 24 uh look chapter 24 verse 13 onwards and you know this road jesus walks with these two disciples is most likely a husband and a wife he's going back and replicating what he's trying to do he's trying to open the eyes now of a righteous man and a woman to the tree of life 
Okay, guys, are you all ready? Yes. Now he is now he is re-enacting the Garden of Eden. Now he is trying to open their eyes to the tree of life, correct? Because now they don't have clothes, isn't it? They still don't have clothes because the clothes come from beholding the glory of Jesus, correct? So he's now he's trying to get them clothes. Okay. So verse thirteen. Now behold, two of them traveling the same day to the village called Emmaus. Emmaus means warm bath. They were seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together all these things that had happened, and then they came. And they said, and they were very sad. And Jesus said to them, "What kind of conversation is that that you are you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Because they are now not looking into the perfect law of liberty. They are looking into the natural face." But Jesus has risen. See, they don't have a natural face. They have what? They are righteous, and they are perfectly righteous. So they have no reason to be sad. But they don't know that because they have not seen their mirror. What mirror is this? The perfect law of liberty of Jesus Christ, right? They didn't see that. So Jesus is now going to get them to open their eyes to see themselves in Him. Okay. So. Then he said, "Don't you know all the things that have happened in Jerusalem?" He said, "Jesus says what things? Because those things don't matter to him and the disciples. The things that are happening, he'll say, like Prasad will say, 'Anil, don't you know that the situation is so bad right now? The economy is bad. Doesn't matter. The things are real, but it is not applicable to you because it's a natural things. Now you are now with new righteousness. You are a perfect man. Those things have no power over you. Has no relevance to you." Doesn't matter what happens to them. Now he wants your eyes to open. Finally, my brother, remember, meditate on which things. Doesn't matter what CNN is saying, what Fox News is saying, what Breitbart is saying. Milu smiles, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because I I listen to Breitbart a lot. But you know, stuff like that. He says, don't worry about that because that what thing doesn't matter for Jesus. As Jesus doesn't know what things happen. He knows what things happen, but he says it's not those things that you need to meditate on. Open your eyes, but I have to get you to open your eyes. Open your eyes to yourself? No. Look at what he says. And he says how the chief priests and the rulers delivered Jesus to be condemned to be dead and crucified them. And we were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, this is the third day since these things have happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they came. They did not find the body. <coughs> they saw that they saw a vision of angels who he said he was alive but certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said but him they did not see they are very sad they say we don't see jesus we don't know where he is he's gone and he thought he was going to be the redeemer and very 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 sad verse 25 jesus replying to them oh foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken ought not christ to have suffered all these things and entered into his glory and he's trying to get them to see what yes jesus is trying to get adam and eve let's use the word adam and eve here the new adam and eve the born again adam and eve get them to see the glorified christ He's trying to get them to see the tree of life, which is in the midst of the garden. Correct? So he's getting there. He's getting there. Okay. So then, and verse twenty-seven. Now underline that verse. And beginning at Moses and the prophets, he expounded to them all in all the scriptures the things 
concerning whom? Or themselves or himself? So how do you read the Bible? See yourself in it or Christ in it? Your ugliness or his beauty? How many times you read the Bible and see your ugliness in it? I messed up. This is talking about me. This is talking about me. No. He wants in the resurrected, for the believers, he wants you to expound the scriptures concerning whom? Concerning Jesus. See him beautiful. See him victorious. See him wonderful. Like we are expounding Christ in the scriptures right now, today. See it. And what happens? Verse 28. Right. And they knew them and they indicated that he would have gone further. That means Jesus was willing to go further in the scriptures expounding things concerning himself. That means who has a lot of things to say up to them about himself? He's not run out. He must have come to maybe Psalms or I think he still has a lot of stuff to go. So he's still like if you all are ready, I'm ready. But they are like it's good. Can we stay now? <laughs> you know? But he's trying to get them to open their eyes. Okay. And they drew near to the village and they thought they were good. And they, uh, and they uh, constrained him saying, Abide with us for it's towards evening and the day is far spent. The day is far spent. So he's walking in the cool of the day. Just like in Garden of Eden. And he went in to stay with them. And it came to pass as he sat at the table with them. Now who is in the midst? Jesus in the midst. Now he is getting it closer. He is getting to the tree of life. Remember where is the tree of life? In the middle. Correct? He is slowly getting them to the tree of life. He is telling them, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me tell you. I am in the middle right now, right? I am in the middle right now. When he was outside the house, he is not in the middle. There are a lot of people. But in the house, there are only two. And he is in the midst. Good. Position. It's like <laughs> heaven strategy. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Let's get there. Little bit further. Let right, let right. Now get into the middle. Now you are in the middle. Open your eyes. Okay. Now what he says. And he sat at the table with them. He took bread, blessed and broke it. What is he showing them? He's showing, when he's breaking bread, he's telling them about what he did at the Jordan, at the cross. Correct? The moment he, again he's talking about himself. He's not talking about their, their self, right? How they messed up, their problems, their issues. No, he's talking about, he, when, he, even as you take communion, you, you, you remember the Lord's death until he comes. So you are remembering still Jesus. Still it's about Jesus. And he broke it and gave it to them. Then what happened in verse 31? Then their eyes were opened. And they knew him. That means they ate of the tree of life. And they knew him. Knew him is a very intimate word. Knew him. It's almost used in the Bible as, a, as close as a man has an intimacy with a wife. Knew him. He ate of the tree of life. And he vanished out of their sight. Out of their sight. But where is Jesus right now? In the midst of But uh, in their physical eyes, is he disappeared? Yes. But is their eyes opened? Yes. So obviously, this eyes has nothing to do with your physical eyes. 
It has everything to do with your spirit eyes. Do you open your eyes, spirit eyes and see Jesus? Beholding Jesus, you will be blessed in everything that you do. And their eyes are opened. And they left. And what happened? They, they rose up. They had strength. They had just walked seven miles from Jerusalem. Same night, they suddenly get supernatural energy. They walk all the way back. Suddenly, who got, how did they get this energy? Just as Jesus is, so is he. Everywhere where disciples lacked, like when Peter was sinking on the water, he saw Jesus walking on the water, then what happened to him? He started walking on water. Jesus was walking, he started walking. Whatever, this, whatever he saw Jesus as, he became. He saw the star, he started sinking. He's saying, finally, my brother, whatever is true, who is more true than Jesus? Meditate on that because what you see, you become. Like, for example, the Samaritan woman, look at a pro progression of her light. Her eyes are opening. He first says, Jesus says to him, give me, a, uh, uh, give me something to drink. Jesus says, Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. So he first calls him a Jew. Then he says, are you greater than Jacob? Now he calls him greater than Jacob, still a man. Then he calls him, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now greater than a man, he's calling him a prophet. And then he says, when, I, I know when the Messiah comes, he will teach us all things. He's now calling him the Messiah. What's happening to her eyes? Her eyes are opening. But what happened? The moment she saw Jesus as a Jew, she didn't get water. The moment she saw Jesus as greater than Jacob, she didn't get her water. Moment she saw Jesus as a prophet, she didn't get her water. Moment she saw Jesus as Messiah, she got her water. And she left her water pot and ran. You see? What you see Jesus will make you what you want him to be. Hallelujah. So Jesus goes to Nazareth. And he is waiting again. He is waiting for them to do what? See him as the Messiah. So he goes to Nazareth and he says, he opens the scroll and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. To, to preach liberty. The perfect law of liberty has just showed up in the Nazareth. Now, the people out there have a chance to see Jesus as what? The perfect law of liberty. But what do they see him as? Is he not the carpenter's son? Guess what? None of their <laughs> chairs were broken. So there was no need for any fixing. So that day, everybody went to their houses with good furniture. While the need was what? Good furniture or healing and salvation. What do you want Jesus to be in your life? A carpenter from Nazareth or the Messiah from heaven? Seeing him Beholding him transforms you into what he is. And you will be blessed in everything that you do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just close in prayer. Father, we come before your throne of grace, O Master. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord, for revealing your son, Yeshua, to us this evening time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, George, why don't you just come and just quickly sing this song? Thank you.
I want you all to just, I exalt you, just sing a little, little one verse out of it. Let's just sing. I want you to forget about all the responsibilities that you have and say it's getting too late and my kids are starving. Forget about all that. Don't worry about all that. Like Martha, don't be worried about all that. Just choose the one thing. Just now, just, just spend like two minutes meditating on Jesus. All your worries and all your problems. You know, my house is in a mess and my, you know, my finances are in a mess. And forget all that. What do you want? What do you want in your life? See Jesus right now. Just for these two minutes. Just let's see Jesus. In the area that you want, your need is. See him fulfilled in that need. As you see Jesus, as he is, so are you in this world. Now, if you have a need right now, I want you to picture Jesus as being sufficient in that need. What will be the need? You say, but this is impossible. That's not your job. Your job is not to say whether it is impossible or not possible. Your job is to see Jesus in that state. See him exalted. He him, see him lifted up in that area of your life. And he doesn't expect you to do anything about it. He just wants you to see him. See him. Do you see Jesus more? He's not afraid. He's not afraid. 
to Jesus. Do you see that you live like your children? Blessed and prosperous. Do you see him living in a mansion? Manor, do you see him living in a mansion? Do you see him living in a mansion? Do you see him with high position? With a name that is above every name. And the name of Jesus, everything shall bow. Do you see that no man can stand before this Jesus? Do you see him as a perfect sacrifice? Do you see as a price that he has paid completely? Do you see that there is no price that is left to be paid? In Jesus, every price has been paid. Do you see his body glorious? A body without sin? A body without any lack? Do you see him without any broken bones? Do you see him without any broken bones? Not one of his bones was broken. Therefore, therefore, none of the children's bones will be broken to the Lord. Therefore, don't declare healing in your bodies. Thank you, Jesus. Do you see Jesus with any cancer? Do you see Jesus with any malignancy? Do you see Jesus with any turmoil in his heart? Do you see Jesus with depression? Do you see Jesus with any hunger? Do you see Jesus with depression? Do you see Jesus with anxiety? Oh, he is peaceful. He is the lily of the valley. He is fairest of 10,000. Oh, see him beautiful. See him content. And the Lord says, as he is, so are you in this world. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, right now the Lord is saying, many of you are worried about your parents. You are seeing your parents old. You are seeing your parents struggle with health issues. Right now he says, look at me, the evergreen cypress tree, whose leaves do not wither, whose fruits do not fail. See me as your parent. See me as your young parents, says the Lord. See me as the tree that never fails. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I, want you, I see an anointing for receiving health for your parents. I want you to lift up your hands. Everybody who has parents in this house, in this room. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I just feel a burden for your parents. You have a burden for your parents, for your old age. They're getting old and they're struggling with sickness and disease. Right now, receive the blessing of the vision of a healthy Jesus, a healthy Father who never grows old, who lives forever, whose his vision is not dimmed and his vigor is not diminished. And whatever he does prospers, says the Lord. Yeshua prospers. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now when you see your parents sick, Refuse to see them sick. See Jesus in them as healthy. See them strong. Declare and prophesy them healthy with the supernatural strength and vigor. They will be like a oak tree that never runs dry. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Master. Open your eyes, says the Lord. Open your eyes to the broad circle. Now all those who are sick, lift up your eyes away from the broad serpent's sting and look at me, the broad serpent, crucified on your behalf. Look at me and see me.
full fill
Aleluya. And Pilate heard again from all the people and all the Pharisees. And he said, Call Jesus. And he said, Are you a king? He said, Yes, for this reason I came into this world that I may bear witness to the truth. And he is of the truth, hears me. So, what is the truth? The truth is that you are righteous. Open your eyes right now. Look at me. Jesus appeared the second time before Pilate. Now, Pilate now looks at Jesus as the king. And he talks to Jesus as the king and he says, Are you a king? And Jesus says, I am a king. And for this reason, I come into this world to bear witness to the truth. And he is of the truth, hears me. And he says, What is the truth? And Pilate didn't wait to hear from him. And then he walked out. He told to the Jews. And he looked at Jesus and the people and he said, Behold your king. Right now, as you take this cup of the blood of Jesus Christ, this blood is attesting the second truth. The second truth is that you are looking into the perfect law of liberty into the eyes of the king himself. And he says, I bear witness to the truth. Jerry, you're perfect forever. He was of the truth. Here's my voice. As you take this cup and drink this blood, this blood now cries out from the earth that you are righteous. As Abel's blood cries out from the earth for vengeance, the blood of the exalted and glorified Jesus is still on the earth and now cries out, says, Jokesna, you're righteous. Prasad, you're righteous. Manohar, you're righteous. Manisha, you're righteous. Padmini, you're righteous. Sudha, you're righteous. Julie, you're righteous. Alkesh, you're righteous. George, you're righteous. Annie, you're righteous. Milu, you're righteous. Anil, you're righteous. Your children are righteous. And the blessings of the Lord is now your portion in Jesus. Now go ahead and drink this cup. This witness, this testimony that never fails. For you do not drink the testimony of the blood of a man. You drink the testimony of the blood of the son of the glorified God. The glorified son of the glorified God. In Jesus name, drink this cup. Get ready, get ready, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank the Lord. I want you to go back and read today. In your quiet time, read Isaiah chapter 16. He says, because your eyes have opened to the light that has come. Open your eyes. The, the prosperity is now coming in. The abundance of the seas will be turned to you. Because your eyes have opened to the light of the world. Now, all prosperity is now going to hunt you down, says the Lord. Hunt you down. Hunt you down. The peace that passes all understanding is going to hunt you down. Prosperity is getting ready to hunt you down. Because all of creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. All of creation is now waiting. How do I turn this wealth over to the sons of God when I cannot see the sons of God?
of God. Now because you have received the light of Jesus, you are now visible to creation, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Lift up your hands right now and say, here am I. A Elohim, a son of God. All creation. See him. See him and see, see me. I am a son of God. Do not grow. Do not grow. Do not struggle. Do not wait to see me. I am here. A son of God. Now turn your abundance to me. Uh, do you believe that? Now you're declaring to the earth and all of creation. Now I want you to stand up right now. I want you to stand up. I want you to face to every direction that you want. I want you to prophesy to the north, south, east and west. Tell them you are a son of God. And let your abundance be turned to me. I am a son of God. Let your abundance be turned to me. I am a son of God. Let your abundance be turned to me. I am a son of God. Let your abundance be turned to me. I am a son of God. Let your abundance be turned to me. According to Isaiah chapter 16. That's your promise Lord. And I declare to creation. That the abundance of the seas. Will be turned to me. In Jesus name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. And let's just exalt Jesus once more as we stand. I exalt you. Thank you, Jesus, for your word is true. And I receive it. 
because you have given it and we glorify you for that in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name. and everybody just give glory to Jesus hallelujah 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 i want you to go two by two a woman with a woman and a man with a man i just want you to just step in agreement and pray for any need and any just give thanks for this time thank you jesus thank you master thank you jesus thank you lord thank you jesus thank you master thank you jesus thank you master thank you master This is a holy moment. For the Lord says, when two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in your midst. The first criteria is Saul. He, he's right now in the midst. The second criteria is, if two or three agree on earth concerning anything, and I see two or three right now, you agree, says the Lord, agree. agree concerning the tree of life regarding any need in your life i will do it right now thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you master ask ask what do you desire in jesus name thank you master thank you lord 